So today, I want to start a series, the next four weeks, on four pillars. Um, I used to own a construction company, and um, a lot of times when we started doing work and repair, remodeling, uh, building, if the foundation, the proper foundation wasn't laid, it didn't matter what kind of pillars we had. So the beginning point of all good foundation in the church is Jesus, hands down. Jesus is what we build upon. If we build upon him, then our pillars will add to what Jesus has told us to do. Now, for some of you, the next four weeks is going to be very basic. For some of you, it's like, wow, this is revelation. Um, these are things that over the last three years that I've talked about, but I've just sensed there's a need uh, to go back to the basics and simplicity. Um, so it's important as we head forward um, that we're going to be looking at the first four pillars, but today is prayer. Nothing great or no move of God ever began apart from prayer. Throughout church history, Prayer was the foundation of birthing a move of God, revival, transformation. We'll be looking next week at the Word and Spirit. It's a two-sided coin. You have the Word of God, but you also have the Spirit of God. Then the following week, we're going to look at community. What does that really mean? How does that, how do we put practical application to community? Then the last week, we're going to look at mission. We're going to look at mission. What has God really called us to, and what are we to be doing as a body? But today, we want to look at prayer. Uh, one of the cool things that's happening at KVC right now is there's, there seems to be God moving and stirring in people's hearts to pray. Now, I don't know, growing up, I was always told, you need to pray. How many of you were told that by your pastors? Okay, so I is a pastor now, and I don't want to put that condemnation on you. Do you heard that word? If you're not praying, you're, a, you're, you're lost or you're in sin. But how many of you sometimes struggle with prayer? Let me see your hands. Okay, this week. I'm preaching on prayer, and my mind is swirling a thousand different ways. And I'm all of a sudden thinking about the garden. And what am I going to do? How, what are we going to plant? That has nothing to do with what I was praying. And sometimes we get distracted, and the enemy uses that to get us to stop. I love what Graham Cook said. One time, Graham Cook said, I would begin to pray and I was in God's presence and the next thing I'd be thinking about something I was going to do over there and there. And then he goes, I go back to God and I say, God, please forgive me. I am so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You ever done that? God, I'm in deep intercession and I'm thinking about going swimming. How in the world does that connect? And, and Graham said he just felt that the Lord said to him, Graham, I'm okay with that. Let's just go out there, get your thought, come back, and let's pick up 
where we left off. You see, we have this concept of God, unless we're perfect in our prayers, if everything we do the checkoff list, then God's going to be happy with us. I want to give you a revelation. God's happy with you whether you pray or not. God loves you just where you're at. But God loves to communicate with you. He loves to talk with you. He loves to draw near to you as you draw near to him. It's not out of a religious mindset that we go to prayer. A matter of fact, Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they'll be filled. You see, it's not a work of, the, of our flesh that just says, okay, I'm going to do this. Now, there's discipline in prayer, but when we discipline ourselves, sometimes it's not delight. Sometimes it's difficult. I remember when I heard Larry Lee's t uh, teaching on, could you not tarry for one hour? And so then I said, okay, God, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. And God said, I'm not even up at 5 a.m. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm getting up at 5 a.m. I'm, I'm going to do it. And so I actually had another gentleman in our church come to the house, and we prayed. And I was like, this is going to be years and years. Well, after about a month, he said, well, I don't think I can come today. I said, oh, that's okay. So I set my alarm to six. An hour doesn't make a difference. And it wasn't about so much the time that we do it, is that in my discipline, and my dedication, that there comes delight in our prayer life. You have to discipline yourself. Angels are not going to pick you up and say, okay, sit in your comfy chair and now let's pray together. You have to determine, you have to decide, I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to God today and I'm going to listen to him. I want to read you some quotes. Martin Luther said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer to our spiritual life is like breathing to our life. Without it, we become weak. Without it, we become anemic. With it, God infuses us, his spirit fills us, and we move forward in this world. John Wesley says, God does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. Edwin Harvey said this, a day without prayer is a day without blessing, and a life without prayer is a life without power. Do you want the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Then pray. The last quote is Andrew Murray. He said, where there is much prayer, there will be much of the Spirit. Where there is much of the Spirit, there will be ever-increasing prayer. Now again, please hear me today, because I grew up being pounded by this. And so then it became a work of my flesh, not a work of the Spirit. You see, when God's Spirit fills us, there is this hunger and desire to commune with God. When it's not there, it becomes a program. 
it begins a constant pushing, driving you to prayer. You need to pray. You ought to pray. Instead of God letting his spirit in our hearts fill us to where we go, God, I long to meet with you. I've tried to make this a practice. I don't always do it. But every morning when I wake up, the first thing I say is, Father, thank you. Thank you for this day. Why do I do that? Because I acknowledge who's in the day with me. I don't start thinking about what I can do. Well, sometimes I do. But I try to make it a practice that my first words and thoughts are about him. That's a prayer. See, what we've been taught, which is religion, is you have to fold your hands, bow your head, and close your eyes. That's nowhere in scripture. David said, on my bed. I stopped doing that because that's not good for me, because I fall asleep real quick. But he says, on my bed, I lift my voice to you. When you're walking, when you're driving, some of the best times of prayer is when you're heading to work. Now don't close your eyes, please. Traffic is bad enough, so please don't close your eyes. But it is simply talking to him and us listening to him. It's a conversation. Wouldn't it be weird for those of you that are married if you never had a conversation with your spouse? Shake your heads. That would be weird. Some of you are looking at your spouse. I didn't know that. We talked to one another. My wife and I dialogue. We sat yesterday, last night in the living room, just dialoguing and talking. I'm talking, and then she's talking, and I'm listening, and it goes back and forth. It's the same way in our prayer life with God. Yes, he is the Lord God Almighty. He is holy and just. No unclean thing will ever or has ever come into his presence. Nothing. But yet he is Abba. He's daddy. And my dad would say, Craig, come over here and sit on my lap. Come over here. Or he'd say, Craig, come on, let's go outside. I want to teach you how to hit a baseball. I want to teach you how to shoot a basketball. That's my dad. My, our Heavenly Father wants to partner in this life with us. He's not some old grandpa up heaven in a rocker that the only time that he's going to respond is when we've sinned and he's going to smote us. If you have that concept of the Father, you need to dismiss that, break that off. But he is a Father that loves us dearly. Now, as we're talking about prayer, there's corporate prayer. So every, every Sunday in the chapel, we have corporate prayer. Martin leads that, or like this morning, Benedictor led it. Different people will lead it. We come together and corporately pray for the body here at KVC and also for the church worldwide. We corporately begin to pray and intercede for the worship team. We pray for the preaching, whoever's preaching. We pray for many different things. On Wednesday night at 6.30, we have corporate intercession where we're praying and seeking the heart of the Father. 
Immediately after that, the pre-service prayer team meets another hour on Zoom to pray for our body. There's corporate prayers like this morning, but then there's individual prayers. The beauty of that, it meshes together. When we are led by the Spirit, the Spirit of God will lead us corporately and individually to pray in one accord. Now, I want to give you, it's called the Acts model. How many of you have ever heard of the Acts prayer model? Okay. It's very simple, but some of you struggle on knowing how to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven. And you say, well, I'm not looking for a formula, but see, if you have tracks to run on, that's when the Holy Spirit can lead you in your prayer life. For new believers, I would give this to them to help them in developing their prayer life. And it's A-C-T-S, and it stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Very simple, okay? But I want to just share with you and how it can begin to lead you in your prayer life, all right? Doesn't mean you have to do exactly, but it's just giving you tools to help. Maybe you're struggling in your prayer life. Maybe you've just been, there's things going on, situations and circumstance. This can help you to begin to jumpstart. The A is adoration. Adoration is a deep love. This morning, when we were singing, holy, 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 we're acknowledging His holiness. We're adoring him for who he is, what he's done. And it doesn't matter what I felt, but we began corporately to begin to adore him. It's respect, worship, and veneration. Matthew 6, 9 says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. Begin with just simply adoring him. If you'll remember, I'm not quite sure I was thinking this week, maybe it's been two years, on a Wednesday night, I did a series on adoration, the ABCs of adoration. I do this. I take the ABCs and then I'll take scripture like the first one, abundantly available God that God never leaves us nor forsakes it, forsake us. I begin to just simply adore him. God, you're the abundantly available God. You're the better than God. One day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be in your presence, Lord, than to be anywhere else. You are the compassionate God. You see, it begins to set my mindset on him, not on my problems. God wants us to come to him with our problems, but usually what happens in our prayer life, and I'm guilty, we go to our problems first, and our problems are bigger than our God. God wants us to reverse that, and God is bigger than your problem. Amen? And so I say you're the compassionate Father. You're not wanting anyone to perish. You love Nairobi. 
It shows us, even in the life of Jesus, that it says he was filled with compassion. You were showing us through Jesus that you're a compassionate father. You're devoted. And I just go through the ABCs. And I have scripture with that. We begin with adoration. Just simply start by saying, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God. It's something that you grow in. It's something that God begins to work in you. But we begin at the place of acknowledging him. Because whenever we don't acknowledge him, we will acknowledge the ways of the world and then we'll try to figure it out. Well, how am I going to do this? And see, what happens is we take control of the situation instead of saying, here you go, Father. I trust you. I'm not going to trust in chariots and horses, but I put my trust in you. C is for confession. Confession means to acknowledge and say what God says about your sin. That's what confession is. You say what God says about a sin. So if you lied this week, you say, God, I lied this week. God, this week I did da, da, da. You name the sin, not general, generalities, but you name the sin, confess it. But here's the thing. Okay, I want you guys to be honest today, okay? How many of you have prayed and confessed a sin? Let me see your hands. That should be 100% in the house. Nash, raise your hand. I saw that sin last week. Okay, we've all sinned, right? We've fallen short. No one's righteous, no, not one. Here's what we do. God, uh, I come to you today. I, uh, whatever sin it is, X, Y, Z, Please forgive me. Is forgiveness immediate? Is forgiveness immediate? It's not a trick question. Yes, thank you. Forgiveness is immediate. But here's what happens. We pray, Lord, and we're sincere in heart. We're repentant. That means we turn from that. We're not going back that way. We're going to God. And so we confess that sin, but it also says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. That's immediate. Some of you walk in shame. So here's what we do. We say, God, forgive me. Is, is forgiveness immediate? Yes. But the next day or the second day or the third day, we start feeling what? Guilty or shame for what we've done. And so we go back to God and we say, God, you know that thing I confessed three days ago? Please forgive me. What does God say? I don't have a clue what you're talking about. As far as the east is from the west, he removes it. But here's the plan of the enemy, to get you to continue to walk in shame and guilt. How many of you that's happened to? All of us. God, I just blew it big time. Forgive me. You're forgiven, son. You're forgiven, daughter. And then you move on. 
See, confession is not for God. He already knew before the foundation of the earth what was going to happen, what you were going to do, what I was going to do. The confession is for our hearts so we don't become arrogant and prideful and say, well, I'm, I'm under the grace of God. There's no need. There is a need for confession. So we just confess. As uh, Matthew 6, 12 says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Forgiveness is not only for ourselves, but it's also for other people. So for some of you, this part of your prayer may be two or three days. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it may not, listen, if we get real with ourselves and God, because God knows our heart, then it can be, God, I blew it with my wife this week. I got mad. I, I just, I blew it with her. Forgive me, Father. So then the second part of that prayer is when I'm done, I go to my wife and I say, forgive me. You see, we go, all right, God took care of it. And God says, no, 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 you're not done. It's like, ah, I thought I would be done. And so there's confession. T is for thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the expression of gratitude. People that don't have gratitude don't give thanks. Please hear me. Need to write that down. People that do not give thanks, they do not have gratitude. And part of our prayer is just simply saying thanks. Matthew 6.13 says, well, it's the expression of gratitude, especially to God. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, Matthew 6.13. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, give thanks always, but there's, there's a preposition before that. With? What else? Huh? Some say, give, give thanks for circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's not what it says. It says, give thanks in the midst of the circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm hanging pictures for Pam yesterday. And she was laughing because kept trying to hit the nail and one, it was flying off, and another time I hit my finger. Any ever hit your finger with an, a hammer? It doesn't, it doesn't mean that in that moment, praise God, I smashed my finger. Thank you, Jesus. Even though it's black and blue, I give you glory. No, in the midst of my pain, Lord, that was silly of me, but I thank you that you're faithful. I thank you that you're good. Because see, I know that's a silly illustration, but it says give thanks in the midst of the circumstances. We want to give thanks after the circumstances. We want to give thanks before, but in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the good time, give him thanks. If you're struggling today, in the midst of your struggle, give him thanks. In the midst of that struggle, give him thanks. And the last, the T. The T uh, or S is for supplication. This means to plead or ask for something humbly. 
Matthew 6, 11 says, Give us today our daily bread. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we have adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. How many of you believe that God loves for you to ask him for things? Then why don't we ask him? As a pastor doing this a long time, I've counseled with people that say, I got this problem, this problem. I said, have you even asked God about it? Well, no, he's tired of me asking. God never, ever tires of you asking. It says, ask, seek, and knock. A matter of fact, he gives some Jesus gives parable about the guy coming to the house at night, knocking, hey, I need some bread. The guy on the second floor opens the window and said, hey, me and my family are in bed. Go away. He closes it. Hey, I need some bread. And it says, because of his much asking, the guy gave him bread. It's a parable for you and I. It's a story in our own life. No matter if things are going good right now or things are going bad, we keep asking, we keep knocking, we keep seeking the heart of the Father and everything that we do. I believe that God is doing something at KVC. I believe God is working. But in the midst of God working, the enemy is always prowling around seeking whom he may devour. The key for us to stay focused is prayer. The key for your family, for your individual life, is prayer. And it's not today that I come to you to beg you or plead with you, you gotta pray, you gotta pray. I'm just saying, ask God through the power of the Holy Spirit to fill you and give you a hunger and a thirst and a desire to fellowship with him. You see, apart from that intimate time of prayer and listening and also speaking, that's where God speaks to our heart. That's where he reveals those mysteries. That's where he reveals his heart for us individually and corporately for KVC. This is the beginning point for every believer. And that's why we start with prayer, the very first pillar, and the second moves to the word of God and the Holy Spirit. So we wanted to begin with prayer today. And so what I'd like for us to do is just to stand. And I wanna pray for our corporate body as just a time, if the worship team would come on up. I want God just to speak to our hearts this morning. I want us just as Emory's just playing, I want you to ask the Lord, speak to my heart this morning. 
You know, he wants so much to talk to you. He wants so much to fellowship and commune with you. He longs, he longs for us to draw near to him. And you know what he says? I'll draw near to you. Here's the God of all creation that says, I love to hear your prayers. I love to hear what's on your heart. I love to hear what's bothering you, what's worrying you, what's happening in your life. He loves that. He's not put off by that. He says, come, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. It begins with opening our hearts and say, Lord, I want your spirit to inflame in my heart a desire, a longing to be with you to simply just talk with you and to hear your heart as you hear my heart.